In 2011, the Nintendo DS officially evolved into the Nintendo 3DS, and after a bit of an atrocious launch, found its stride and became one of Nintendo's best-loved handhelds. Boasting nearly full backwards compatibility with the Nintendo DS library, this device became the go-to system for portable games, outliving and outlasting both the PlayStation Portable and the PlayStation Vita. As is typical of Nintendo, the 3DS underwent some different designs and spawned the 2DS, which could play just about the entire 3DS and DS library, just without the stereoscopic 3D. In September of 2020, more than nine and a half years after its initial release, Nintendo discontinued the 3DS family, and so on today's episode, we'll take a look back at some of the more memorable games and features this great little device gave us next on downloadable content. downloadable content i am brian and with me we have ronnie hello and we have spencer we we may we may have a doug showing up later our very our own personal captain n but uh we'll see if he shows up that that remains to be seen but we have the three of us You'll, you'll have the three of us talking to today about the 3DS. But before we dive in, just want to remind everyone that every single episode of downloadable content can be found on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and Spotify, as well as our website, dlcpodcast.com. You can click the feedback button to let us know how we're doing. You know, either praise us, uh, bite our heads off, whatever you want. Um... It's all there for you. I would say check out upcoming episodes, but we are two episodes plus this one left in this 10-year run of podcasts. So, but don't worry. It'll still be there. It's all there. DLCpodcast.com. All right, gentlemen, let us go to work today. And today we're going to be talking about the Nintendo 3DS, which was, as we all know, Nintendo's last major handheld console uh, before the Switch. And and it had an excellent, excellent nine-year run. It, it had the same length of run as the original DS, nine years as well. And uh, yeah, so we're just going to... Dive right in. I mean, the, the 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 one of the things I do remember initially when the 3DS launched, I remember, and I think we all do, how how kind of a, an atrocious launch they had. I remember very vividly that 
I believe it came out initially, it was $250, but nobody was biting and Nintendo had to do something that they normally don't do really early. And that was, they had to, they gave it a major price drop. Yep. Because also, sales were so abysmal. Yep. But here's the thing uh, that a lot of people don't realize. The sales did not improve with the price drop. The sales didn't improve for about four or five months after the price drop. Yep. Sales didn't improve until Mario Kart 7 came out. That's that's really when the sales started to pick up. Absolutely. And that was that was definitely something I remember because like I like I remember like like the 3DS came out just a couple of months after we started downloadable content way back in 2011. And I just I just remember that the coming off of the massive, massive success that was the DS. Now, keep in mind that the, the Nintendo DS, best-selling handheld console of all time, second best, uh, second all the uh, best-selling ha- console period of all time, only behind the PS2. So, for Nintendo to just basically trip, fall flat on their face right out of the gate. That's not actually accurate. Is it? Uh, Neither of them are in the top, like, three or four. Uh, Genesis is the best-selling console of all time. I thought the PS2 was the best-selling console of all time. I'm pretty sure Brian's right on that one. Genesis was was produced until, I believe, last year in Brazil. And they've, like, in South America, they have more sales than frickin' anything else. I'll, I'll look up the numbers now. Okay. But it, it's a misconception because most people, when the companies talk about this stuff, they don't consider any of the stuff for the Genesis after like the year 2000. All right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to be wrong. Um, but yeah, but in, in any event, I, I believe that it, like the Nintendo DS is still the best selling handheld of all time. Yeah. The original DS. So for, for Nintendo to stumble right out of the gate on the 3DS was was pretty alarming and for a while they were Nintendo was kind of the butt of jokes because <laughs> initially I mean they they kind of had a problem I mean they you know whether they they priced the 3DS initially as way too high or there were just not really any good games for it for a while it had its issues I mean thankfully I mean as we all know it found its stride and became a very well-loved handheld in the end, but it was very rough going to start. Well, I mean, it also came off of... We, we, we talk about how it came off of the success of the DS, but that's not entirely true. It came off of the failure of the DSi, the system we all pretend doesn't exist. Until, so, until you just said that? It's not its own console, though. <laughs> it's more of just like a new release of the DS. Nintendo claimed it was its own console and it had like three unique three games of its own. They can claim it, but that doesn't change the fact that all it did was add a camera to the to the DS. It didn't it's not a new console. The games weren't it was the same carts. It was like everything was the same except for the camera. Like they were just trying to make a multimedia media device and they missed the boat on that. Like they they had already made their bed in the gaming market with the DS. So trying to make it a True multimedia device was just a waste of their time and basically I, everybody's time. I, I agree wholeheartedly, 100% with you, that it was a waste. But I'm going to take them saying it's the it is 
its own console, they list it as its own console. That's the company. We can say it shouldn't be, but it was. Like, and if they, the company says it was a console... It doesn't make it reality, though. Like, they can say <laughs> that, but that doesn't make it reality. Like, they're not, like, this omnipresent, like, being that just, like, sets like the rules for what logic dictates and logic dictates that that camera doesn't make it a new console. I, I, like, I love the fact you, that you've basically spent, or you've just taken the, yeah, I know what the council said, but it's a stupid rule. So I've elected like, to like, what, like, like you can say, like you can say whatever, you know, like the, does the, does that mean the game boy camera makes the game boy a completely new console? The, like, no, the, it's just the, an add on. The Does DSi. The, the plugin for the N64 that give it more memory make it a different system? No. Like, this is literally yeah. just, instead of them selling the camera as a secondary feature, they just put it in the console directly and make you buy it like that. The DSi had games that were made for it that could not be played in a DS. It had its own set of ones. There were only, like, five of them, because nobody got on board with this, because it was fucking stupid. But if it if they, if they it had its own games and the company says it was a console, I'm going to agree with them. But that is, re re like, we're, we're going way off of the act of the 3DS here. I was just going, the, we say they came off of a success into this. I'm going... We can all agree whether it's a console or not. The DSi was not a success, and that is what actually led into the 3DS. And we now have a Doug. So uh, welcome, Doug. So just to uh... I heard you guys talking about Nintendo and you know disturbance in the forts. Yeah, well, I, I, like I said, it's our own. It's DLC's own Captain N, and uh, here you are. So it, it was weird. It's weird because I wasn't. I, you know, there's been no convention, so I haven't had a convention to call you guys from. I know this. It, it, you, it's almost out of your element. <laughs> but yes, we just we just started, Doug. So just to catch you up to speed, we're just talking about the the initial launch of the 3DS and how um, it was pretty notable for how abysmal and how much of uh, how much Nintendo stumbled out of the gate with it. Yep. Uh, it's it, it it really did feel like I mean I was here for part of that conversation where it just it did feel a little bit like kind of like a point five, like not really a brand new thing. I have a completely different experience than you guys because when they announced the 3DS, I was working at GameStop at the time, and our store was lucky enough to be able to have a preview event of the 3DS. So they brought in 3DSs like months before it released, and they let people play it and try it out. And I played Pilot Wings on that thing, and I was like, day one, like literally that day, I put down my pre order for the system. I was like, this is a game changer. I don't care about the slip-ups with the 3ds or the 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 dsi like i know that this is going to be huge so i was just i was in immediately and i didn't care about how bad the sales were i knew that once the game started coming in just like every nintendo console it would be fine uh, i i will say i was about halfway where you were um in that i was a day one person i i'm an ambassador i bought the game the the system as soon as it came out my di my mixed opinions of it came from from it. My personal opinion on 3DS. 3DS is one of my favorite systems of all time. It's one of the ones I keep in the other room right now. Um, 
but I consider it the most incremental of incremental upgrades, and that if Nintendo had competent competition, that system would have been dead in the water. The problem was they didn't have competent competition. They had Sony and the Vita, which we can all agree made, they made some pretty bad decisions, and the 3DS became the success it is. Nintendo has always been really the champion of the portable console. Yep. Like, that's... Like, I can't think of, like, any generation, like, yeah, there was Game Gear and stuff like that, but even then, Game Boy was so far ahead, and I think it's always been how it has been. For I mean, they, they, the, the, they definitely won the war with the DS, but the PSP sold 80 million consoles. That's not a small amount. Um, no, they, but, but the amount of money that they poured into making that, and it, it, oh God, wasn't, yeah. it, it, didn't, it was nowhere near where they needed it to be. You know, just again, like working at GameStop, like, you, <laughs> dude, Pokemon alone, like, solidifies Nintendo's just status as the handheld market because they, that, that system, that system alone is going to make millions and millions of sales just off Pokemon, period. Like, uh, more I, than pretty much any at, other, like, it's silly. All, all I was getting at was uh, the Nintendo has always won in the mobile market. But there are times they've had actual competition and times they have not. The PSP was actual competition. The Vita was not competition. I mean, I don't really think they competed. Like, because they were, they were both going for completely different markets. Like, the PSP was definitely trying to be a multimedia device from the get-go. Like, yes, it was obviously a gaming console for sure. But, like, they invented a whole new, you know, uh, what was it, UMD, you know, mm -hmm. discs for it. They were trying to sell movies, like, oh my god, how many movies got returned in that format? Um, you know, like, uh, they but had the all sorts of stuff like that on there. So, like, that, I, to, yeah, yes, they were competing in the sense they're both selling video games on handheld consoles, but, like, they were going in such different directions that, like, I don't really see how, what with what Sony's plan was, they were never going to get into Nintendo's real, like, base market. In the handheld market, at least. I would agree with that. Uh, once again, the, the Vita was the one that was competing with the 3DS, not the PSP. But yes, I agree with everything you said. And it's just as relevant to the Vita. Well, yeah, I mean, wh whichever. Whether it's DS or 3DS, PSP to Vita, like, the the directions were different. There was no, there was no like, crossing the beams, so to speak, in terms of, like, what they were both trying to do at any given time in their life cycles. And I, and I think, like, it's one of the things that's, you know, become a staple is that backwards compatibility. And Nintendo nailed it in handheld, but that opened that up so much more with 3DS. It's like, this is the upgrade, but you still have all the, the this entire library of DS stuff that you can just gra grab, plug in the same way. It's no different. I'm, was... I'm still salty that they eliminated the... Game Boy Advance port because I still have to keep my DS around to play Game Boy Advance games and it's the only reason I have have it. I'll just get a Game Boy player for your GameCube. I do not have a GameCube. I play my GameCube games on my Wii. Yep, that's the same thing that happened to me. <laughs> I still have my DS to do it to do that either way, so 
but it, it, so many... as a Pokemon master, it's like necessary to be able to help transfer and all that yeah. stuff. So. Well, I mean, so... it, like I, I think most of us have all been on Nintendo's handhelds forever, right? Like, yeah, guys. Like, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. the only generation I skipped was the Advance, and then I went back when I got my DS. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I was gonna say I I have I think I have every Nintendo handheld console, at least one of them, if not more than one, in my house. I even have the goddamn DSi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's your own fault. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, no, I knew how bad the DSi was at that point. My DS had broken, and that's what I had access to buying at the time. Uh, so, I mean, and I, and you know, and I didn't obviously buy a 3DS until much later because I almost never get any console at launch. Um, but yes, so I'm trying to remember what the launch titles were for the 3DS. I have a. I've got some lists up. Uh, one of the most notable early ones was Nintendogs and Cats. Um, yep. They were trying to play off the success. But mo a lot of the early games were like the Ocarina of Time 3D remake, the Star Fox 64 3D remake, Super Mario 3D Land. Like, you know, these are all titles that came out in either in the summer or fall of 2011. Um, but like, in the, I'm looking at the best-selling list, so there are definitely games in between that came out but like didn't make as much of a market uh, push I mean, as these. Ocarina like, of Time sold like freaking hotcakes. Eh, it's uh, from what I'm seeing, it's just over six million, um, which obviously is okay. But uh, like, Nintendogs and Cats sold four point six million coming That's still out. A lot like, of hotcakes. Yeah, no, for sure. But you know, you would when Super Mario 3D Land came out. You know, uh, in November of that same year, it sold 12.7 million, and then Mario Kart, obviously, almost pushing 19 million. So that's really when it started to pick up. But yeah, the, the, you know, again, I'm looking at a best-selling list, not like every yeah. single release. But yeah, you're, you're right early... that it only sold four million, but Ocarina of Time 3D was still the 15th best-selling game on the system. And and given the fact that this, uh, you know, Nintendo was producing the 3DS until. Just this year, you know, nine and a half nine years. Half it's years. there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's only there's only seven games that made that sold over ten million copies, and they're all what you would have expected. Mario Kart, yeah. oh, the Pokemon titles. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Mario Kart, the Pokemon titles, Animal Crossing, and the two Super Mario Bros. Just barely missed ten million. Like just barely. Like less than yeah. a half million away. Yeah. The, the thing I will always remember for 3DS and first-party games is I was, this was before I owned a car, so like anytime I was visiting friends out, outside of the city, I was taking the commuter around stuff. So I played Pokemon Omega Ruby a ton. Like, and mm -hmm. I got to the point where I had gone and, because you do go through the main game and then they unlock a little bit to like tell you what, you know, if you've cleared an area, if you've cut every type of Pokemon possible in there and the daily rotation of the legendaries. And one time I was on the, the train and I put the 3DS like in the pocket of my backpack or something. It slipped out. And I lost it. I went back and played, got Pokemon, uh, got a, bought a new system, got Pokemon Omega Ruby again and played it all the way through again because it was just that solid of a game on the 3DS. And yeah, it's the remake, but it's 
the stuff they added to that, and it was it was so nice to be able to have that game. Well, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people consider Gen 3 the best generation, so, like, that game, when that game came out, everybody was like, uh, oh my god! Because, you know, they all wanted that, like, nostalgia feel back, and it did a pretty good job. I, I personally preferred X and Y over Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, but I thought they both did really good things. Yeah. Can we all agree that all of those are better than Sun and Moon? Yes. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> We could do an entire episode about how Sun and Moon, the deri- the the changes that they made to in like the the general framework work of Pokemon were unnecessary and didn't really add anything. But again, that's an entirely that could be its own episode. Yeah, the only to. reason I mention that is I just played through Sun and Moon for the first time all the way through. I play I owned it at release. I never finished it, so I played through and beat it for the first time this year. Ah, uh, and. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it they are so far. I'm actually doing a thing where I'm playing through all of the old Pokemon games to get my current thoughts. And Sun and Moon, I'm reasonably certain, is my least favorite of the series. Yeah, mine is Gen Two, but that's just because I don't like all the. It leans too hard on Gen One, and I'm like very anti-Gen One. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I don't think. I don't think Gen 2 will be my favorite. Right now, my my old favorites were Black and White. Um, I loved I loved those games. Uh, and then right now, I'm really high on the on the Sword and Shield. So I wanted to kind of pose this because we were talking about you know Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire. We we're talking about the Star Fox, um, and like the uh, Mario 64 remakes on that. I think that's part of what made some of these 3DS ones so successful, is you had this generation of people that grew up with these titles, and now they're, you know, able to buy a console. You know, yes, it's portable, but it's, oh, now I can take this with me, and it's, you know, a little bit of reliving the nostalgia, because now these people that grew up with these games have disposable income. It could grab them a lot more, and they're also having kids, so now it's another way to introduce their kids to their favorites. Well, sure. I mean, this is a tried-and-true Nintendo handheld formula. They've been doing this kind of stuff for since, heck, since Game Boy, honestly. They, I mean, they they've, they started with, like, dumbing down versions of games on their consoles, but then once the technology on handheld caught up to those older consoles, then they could just, you know, just one-to-one put it right in, and it, you know... So, they, yeah, I mean, that's just guaranteed money for Nintendo. Uh, Ocarina of Time, uh, it, it, all of the, most of the ports on the 3DS are what I would call necessary ports. And what I mean by that is when you port Last of Us the next year to another console, you're not hitting a different market. Uh, when you skip 10 to 15 years, you're introducing that game to a new generation. And that, that's what I mean by that, where, like, Ocarina of Time 3D came out in 2011. There are people who played the Ocarina of Time 3D game that weren't alive when the original came out. <laughs> and something that is based, and that Nintendo has carried forward uh, with the Switch. Switch. Yes, so, absolutely. Um, but yes, that is that is exactly true, and it's... Talk? Yeah. No, you can go ahead. Okay. Finish what you're saying. No, it's just 
and then not only are we you did you like you just mentioned like Ocarina of Time, but then you know uh, you supplement that with other main entries like we you saw um, Wind Waker come out on the GameCube, and then it followed up on the the 3DS with Phantom Hourglass, for example. Yep. Tying those in. Please don't. No. Please don't. <laughs> I don't acknowledge the DS titles. They make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Mm. I, I personally the like the is the best title possibly, oh. period. So they, they made up for it. You sell the game. <laughs> The, the, I, because of that fucking uh, part of my language, uh, pan flute mechanic, I could never get into like one of the last dungeons. Thanks, like, oh, let, let, let's try and make this easier for you. You're not making it easier I, for you. Now you're just talking to me. Like, I will not. <laughs> I, I will not defend Phantom Hourglass at all. But I did enjoy Spirit Tracks. Um, it was that it was, was a flawed game. I, I'm like I know there was another. Spirit one. Tracks is like Wind Waker. With, like, all the fun parts taking out, and then, like, unless you're, like, Sheldon Cooper and love trains, you're just not gonna like that game. <laughs> I like having Zelda as a companion. That was cute. I'll give you that. But, like, that wasn't enough to carry the rest of the game. And they I, did a better job with it in, in Hourglass anyways than they did but, in Spirit Tracks. Yeah. So, um, since we're talking about games, one thing we, we, we touched on earlier was they did a big price drop at the beginning of the console... But they also did something else when they did that. They gave free games to all the people who had the console before the price drop and labeled them ambassadors. Yep. Yeah. That that was the, that was the Nintendo apology tour. Yeah, <laughs> including some games that were never released any other way on the console. That was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo I think more than any other brand has always done that brand loyalty. Like you are subscribing to kind of the Nintendo way of life. It's, it's not just the company. It's the lifestyle that you buy into. I agree. I will say Nintendo does a lot more of that kind of stuff in Japan than it does over here. Yes, we do get it. Sometimes this would be an example, but like Nintendo is doing this kind of crap all the freaking time in Japan. And it's it it never makes its way to America. I mean, I'd assume yeah. it's a little easier to distribute that kind of stuff in Japan than it is stateside. Um, oh, absolutely! You, and also, you don't need you don't need as big uh, like you don't need as big of a production run if you're just doing it in Japan as you would if you were doing it nationwide in America as well. Like, there, there's a lot of reasons. It's I, it's I, also it's also that like. Playing video games as an adult, especially like portable video games as an adult in Japan, doesn't have the, the social stigma that we do in America. I, I don't think like, that social stigma's really... Like, yes, it was when we were kids, but I don't think that was really a thing by the time we're, we've gotten to the point where we're, we're talking about now. Like, I, I, w I worked at Walmart for 16 years, and I would see adults coming in with... DS's and 3DS's and playing over on over at Subway in on lunch breaks and stuff like it's I, I don't think that that shame was as powerful once we got to like 2010. No, working in a in like a more 
Like, I don't know, where I worked, I would get side eyes and weird glances when I busted out my 3DS on my lunch breaks. I, so, like, I can't say that I agree totally. Like, for sure, it's definitely not as bad as it was in the 90s and early 2000s, but I don't think that, that if you go to, like, a very adult, quote-unquote, like, social set setting where there's, like, lots of older, like, boomers and stuff like that, you're still gonna get that, like, curmudgeon look when you pop up and play Pokemon or whatever on your DS or 3DS. I I won't argue that. I We, we all have different experiences on it. I haven't seen it as much, but I don't deny it's it's there. I think one of the most enduring memories I will have of the 3DS is at PAX East when, like... That convention center in Boston can hold about four trillion people, seemingly. It's huge. Um, and the year it came out, and like the first, and even the, like the first couple of years after it came out, every, it seemingly every attendant at PAX East was carrying a 3DS for the, uh, the Street Pass and the Miiverse. Uh, street Pass yeah. was one of the best like things they ever did like we've been talking about the games but the 3ds had its own mini games and features built into its operating system so yeah go ahead doug yeah like i mean as like from so many conventions like i mean i commute by the subway most of the time um and you know maybe i'd get one or two and like oh cool i'd get a couple chip away at things i'd take it to a convention especially the couple years i went to pax it's like I'd close it and immediately get like 10 more street passes. And the fact that it was passive made it so much like you did not have to do anything. Yep. Like you just grabbed it and it kept going on your way. You didn't have to like actively do it until you were ready to participate. And that was such a genius move because you you just get it and stuff. And it was so fun to go, especially like certain, you go to certain conventions or even just certain areas. Like I noticed it's like if I... Back when, you know, it was okay to travel and stuff, like, I'd go, like, have it in my backpack while I was walking through New York City, and then, oh, like, hey, I got, like, three European countries just by walking around. Yep. And stuff <laughs> like that. And it's, like, it was amazing. And, like, it really rewarded you stuff, and it's, like, because you'd get, like, achievements of, like, you met someone with the same birthday as you. You met someone on their birthday. You, you checked in on your birthday. And again, the fact that this was all passive, you did not have to lift a finger to get this transaction. You just got it as soon as you turned it on. Like the um, like I said, you know, the, the memory of just going to PAX and when the three the first few years of the 3DS's life and just, you know, if you're sitting in line, you're in a queue line waiting for a panel or a concert or what have you, you know, You'd get like 25, 50. You, you would, I remember, would, I would be consistently maxing out the Street Pass queue. And you would get, um, you know, states and countries. And then, and then those me's would help as part of those mini games that came with it. Yeah, like the fishing one. Like the fishing one, I, I always remember like getting extra crazy about trying to do it. Because you'd have to like wait for the notifications of this one, or like the uh, the flower matching one and stuff like. They were ridiculously like basic things, but they were meant for like just like okay, ten minutes while I clear out my queue. And they worked. Yeah, it was so all well about that. the dungeon crawling one. 
that was my jam. I was all yes! playing that one. I remember what that, was that one. That one was a blast. Like that was I really liked that one too because like it did the best job of like letting you really see the other me's that come in because like when you do the street pass thing and they run through like yeah you get to see them as they pass but you don't really get to sh like look at and inspect what other people are doing with their me's so it was cool to be able to like see them like oh, okay they're like doing stuff and they've got like their you get like different angles and stuff like that to get to really like exemplify what they did with their me's and and like depending on what you set as your like favorite color that was like the shirt on your me on that dungeon game, it would be different powers. Yeah, I, I always remember looking for the white t-shirt because I don't remember what the power was, but it was like the best power was the white t-shirt. So like anytime I saw someone go through Street Pass on the white with the white t-shirt, I was like, yes, immediately jumping into the RPG dungeon crawler game so I could <laughs> get that in and advance. And and there was like that at, at like for for the first few years, and I loved it. Everyone had one. Like the very like on our, my very first packs in in 2011, I went like an idiot with my PSP for the internet connectivity because I didn't have a smartphone, and I felt like the only idiot at the convention as I'm as I'm surrounded in all of these DSs and. Uh, anyone who bought the 3DS at lunch because it was it, it was very brand new at the time, and I'm sitting here like I can connect to Facebook. <laughs> on, on, uh, yeah, it was it was like Price is Right Failhorn, absolutely. I'm like, am I the only one in this entire convention center with a PSP? And the answer was probably yes. I was like, nah, dude, I'm good. <laughs> but yes, the, I loved. I wish they would have brought that back for the Switch. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you guys talking about it. I I don't go to conventions, and I'm not much for that kind of stuff, so I never use the Street Pass, so I'm glad to hear that, that other people did and enjoyed it. Oh, it's extremely popular, and certainly part of the reason why it got that second sales push after that first year, because like once people started to actually buy the console and like experience... The street pass stuff it just made it that much better it was like just like how the wii with the Mies and initially like added more interest in like a secondary reason to keep coming back like it's the same thing it was just such a smart move on their part so i noticed something that none of us have mentioned yet i mean which i think 30 is very, minutes in so <laughs> which, which i think well no but i think it's very telling that the whole reason it was called the 3DS is the reason is something we have not talked about yet, and that's the oh. stereoscopic 3D. Oh, you mean that function I never used because it gave me... I used it once, it gave me such a splitting headache, and then I never used it again? Uh, and the function that I'm not able to see? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that function. That one? All right, well, fine. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was keeping that ready. Go for it. I mean, what are you the only person here that doesn't have glasses and had absolutely zero issues with the 3DS's 3D functionality? I have 20-20 vision, but I, I tried it a couple times, and I was like, this is neat. I don't need it, but it was a neat little thing. I was going to say, my wife has perfect vision, doesn't wear glasses, and it gave her a headache. Like, I, I know I'm the exception because I, I can't see 3D images in any way, so it wasn't going to affect me regardless. But from everything I've seen, even people who can see it, 
at least half of them dislike it because they get headaches and eye strain. It, it seems like a very divisive uh, issue with it. I mean, I I really didn't, you know, care one way or the other. I'm like, all right, it's a nice feature, but as long as I could still, as long as the 3D component was not a res, uh, an essential required function to beat any game that I put in it, um, I was I was fine. Yeah, that, and that's that's the way it should be. Like, it's it's a it's a bonus, not an an essential thing. Like again, I, I'll go back. I'll go back to the freaking pan flute thing on Spirit Tracks. I physically couldn't get the game done because there, of that microphone thing. But the other stuff, the 3D, I didn't need anywhere. There, there were two or three games that basically required the use of the 3D, and I avoided them. But for the most part, it was there. There weren't really many games that actually needed it. Um, but because of that, not a lot of a lot of games never even like there are Nintendo games on the 3DS that you can't use the 3D on because they never programmed it. Because when it got to later in the lifespan, they just kind of gave up on it. Yeah, and 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 we got the 2DS as a result. Yep. yep. So we could just say um, that just that little feature it was just added a little bit of depth to it. See, I disagree, and I think that you guys, without the experience of playing a lot of different games with the 3D function, like, there's, like you said, you don't need it to beat anything, but it adds so much depth to games, like, and that's not a pun, it, like, literally adds depth to the gaming, like, that you get to, like, it gives you more stuff, like, you know, I, I'll talk about it more when we touch on it, but, like, playing um, Link Between Worlds, they used oh. the 3D in that game so well and it's like it, it 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 hurts my soul to know that you guys experience that game without using the 3d functionality i mean when, when you have the 3d activated on that game like because of that top-down view like traditional like link to the past zelda stuff it it came alive i will admit that like that game looked amazing in that setup like, don't get me wrong, there are definitely games where the 3D didn't really do much for you, or, like, really might have even hindered visual, like, confirmation of certain things, but, like, it, I, I just, I feel like, and, and like you said, too, like, one of the Pokemon games didn't have the 3D functionality in it, and I was like, okay, thanks, I guess, like, the flagship title, and you're just not gonna have it, but whatever. I mean, it's, I, it's, I mean... I guess I really, I really fall on it. Was it added to it, but you didn't need it. If, for example, you know, again, for people that couldn't see it, like couldn't use it for whatever reason. I the can't fact think of a single it, one of my close friends that I saw with a. I can't think of anybody I personally in real life know that has a 3ds and kept the 3d on. Like, everybody would mess around with it for a day or two once they got the 3DS, and that was it. I can't give them personal opinion, because once again, I can't see the 3D. So for me, it was going to be a pointless thing regardless. Um, I but, usually... Go ahead. But, like, everything I saw, like, I, I forget which magazine it was I read back in the day, but... They did a poll on it, and 50% of people hated the 3D, and 50% loved it. So I really feel like this is a very... Like, 
I'm not saying it was entirely pointless and there weren't people who loved it. I'm saying it was it's divisive. That's what I said earlier, and I stand by that. It was a very divisive feature. That's that's fair. I think like a lot of what I did was anytime I got a new 3DS game, I would test it out and see what it like, see like what it did. And it was usually, oh, that's cool. Go back and turn it off. Like, but it was it was neat to see. But I never felt like I had to have it. Yes, that was the opposite. I would have it on unless the game was like being detrimented by it, and then I would turn it off. But that was pretty rare. Or, you know, like if it was like a game that the visuals were really not important. Like, you know, if I'm playing like Brain Age or something, the 3D on that is irrelevant. So, like, who cares? But you know, like most of the games I'm playing, the 3D is actually relevant. So. Yeah, I mean, that's like you have that regarding that 3D functionality. It, it's sort of the the mindset was, especially when you had if third parties were coming in. It's like, oh, is the only one that can make a good 3D game, Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of always been Nintendo's problem. Is like their hardware is. Not hard to work with, but, like, Nintendo always finds these weird ways to, like, make the best out of the hardware that they have and have designed, and, like, other companies just have such trouble doing that. And I don't know if that's more Nintendo's fault or more just, like, third parties not trying enough because it's a, it, the systems are so unique. Like, I'm not sure where to place the blame there, or maybe it's both, but... I think it depends on the system. Like, like if we look back on the N64... That was a really, really, really difficult system to program for, and every third party came out and went, like, the, the, the actual programming language and how it works and how everything is was just ass. So in that one, I would kind of blame Nintendo. But for stuff like not taking advantage of the motion controls on the Wii or not taking advantage of the 3D on the 3DS, I think that's more the company's fault with not not capitalizing on what what the system's trying to do but you know be that as it may um, yeah you know whether you use the 3d functionality or not i mean i still very much enjoyed the games that i played on it and you know let's 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 dive into some of those more, more memorable games I and mean, we've we've talked about the functionality we've talked about the the little features, the little programs, the Miiverse, the Street Pass, and all that. Um, Why don't we talk about the best 2D Zelda game of all time, Link Between Worlds? Fight me in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I freaking love that game. Like, yes. Yeah, like, like if you haven't played the game before, like, pause this right now. Pause it. Go online, right go get a 3DS and the game, play it, and then unpause it because you're doing yourself a serious detriment if you're like, well, it's just a, you know, it can't be as good as like any of the other Zelda games, the handheld, or it's on the 3DS. That system suck. Like you have no idea how bad you're doing yourself dirty. That game has such a big heart. It's such a love. It's a love letter. It's a love letter to a link to the past, but it's still its own game. When I first, like, I was always, I was always going to love it because I loved A Link to the Past. But when I went into it, I had a little bit of trepidation because it was more bright, more colorful. And I felt like Link to the Past, in a lot of ways, was a, was a more somber story. It had a more serious story and 
Like, some of the stuff I saw from Link Between Worlds when they were showing previews and stuff, I was like, okay, and there's the little jumpy thing, and, like, you, you knock it down, and, oh, this looks so goofy. I'm like, I know I'm going to enjoy it, I know it's going to be good, but I feel like they lost the spirit of Link, of, of Link to the Past. And then I played it, and I was completely wrong. You were wrong on every count. Like... Like the I thing, will admit that, like a link between worlds is is wonderful. I, I would I would I think I would put it only like second only to um, Wind Waker in terms of like I said having a big heart. Like that game just really makes you really like a lot of what's going on and everything there. Um, it's like literally the only Zelda story I've experienced where like from beginning to end I was actually engaged in this story and wasn't just playing the game because I was enjoying the like gameplay aspects of it. Like yeah. I legitimately wanted to continue to advance the story and see what was going on for once in a Zelda game, which is even for the best Zelda games, that's still pretty rare to be like having the story be the most important thing to you in the game. Pretty rare. Mm-hmm. The thing I will say that I, I loved about it is it had that mechanic of you could, you, as long as you got rented the item, which I love the rent-to-own item model because it's ridiculous, but you could do the or, ba dungeons in any order. As long as you had that one item for entry, you were good. Mm -hmm. And, like, you only needed that one item for that dungeon, on, you know, until the end of the game. So... You could go like you could finish a dungeon in one go. You didn't have to go back and revisit it. Like, oh well, now I have this item. If you had everything, if you had that when you went in, you could finish it up. And I loved that. So many of those puzzles, I remembered. It's like, okay, I'm just gonna pause, take a moment, look at what I'm trying to figure out, what I need to do, what do I have available to me, and then half the time it's like, oh, well, I just need to use the merge with the wall mechanic or something like that but you could you could figure it out like i never really ran into a point where it's like i need a player's guide to walk me through this i could i mean nintendo has been hitting it out of the park when it comes to zelda like from from when they came out with link with uh link between worlds going into breath of the wild and the link's awakening remake like Nintendo has been doing extremely well with their modern Zeldas. Not only does the not only does the rental system actually add to the you know openness as you're alluding to, it basically upgrades the game. You know, it's one of the few times that in the Zelda franchise that they've actually addressed changing the core gameplay of like going to a dungeon, getting an item, that item helps you beat the dungeon, and then the item that you get lets you unlock the next area to let you figure out how to get to the next dungeon. Like, they threw that all out the window, and like, it, and it, more to what you were saying before about not needing a player's guide, I just recently, last year, like the end of last year, did a 100% playthrough of this game, and I only needed to look up two items in the whole playthrough. Mm -hmm. Everything I figured out on my own otherwise, and like, that's, for me, that's pretty rare. Like, I usually have to, when I'm doing those kind of playthroughs, I usually have to have a guide up because I'm going to miss something. But, nope, not with that, not with this one. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, for for Zeldas that upend the, the formula in some ways, I mean, you got Majora's Mask, you have Link Between Worlds, and you have Breath of the Wild, and basically that's it. Yeah, it's... 
Just talking about it makes me want to go replay it. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break in the podcast so we can all go and uh, play <laughs> play the I game. Know, I know we said we were going to do a 3DS podcast, but how do you feel about shifting to a Link Between Worlds oh, podcast? Oh, mid, mid-podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would be on board with that, but somehow I think we should probably move on to some of the other games the, that came out on the console. shockingly other games. Uh, <laughs> yes. Are you uh, sure? Yeah, one, I don't one, know about that. I'm going to say a a revival series of RP, uh, the revival of the RPG genre. Not that it was ever gone, because I'll argue that to the, my death. But uh, Bravely Default and Bravely Second came out on this console and gave uh, a new lease on life to the older turn-based RPG style. Bravely Default was an interesting creature because it, it employed another feature of the 3DS we haven't uh, mentioned: the 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 AR functionality. Yes. Yes. Which, Bravely Default is the only game I've ever played on the 3DS that uses the, the augmented reality right at the start of the game. Um, you mean you ever played Face Raiders? Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> but but no, that's another feature we haven't talked about, the, the augmented reality, which Bravely Default took advantage of. Um, I don't know if I can actually, you know, accurately and definitively describe it because... Again, that was the only uh, use. I remember having to hold up a card or or lay down a card that came with Bravely Default and align, like, the camera a certain way. Yep. And then there was, like, a bunch that came with the console of those cards, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And everyone was excited about those for, like, a week. Yep. <laughs> I remember, like, a couple of people getting, like, tattoos of that. <laughs> oh, God. No one I knew personally, thankfully, but I definitely remember, like, seeing, like, a couple Reddit threads of people that did that. Yeah. Um, people can be crazy. Reddit for yeah. you. But yes, yeah. Bravely Default was a was great game. Yeah, Bravely game, Default. It surprisingly Bravely. didn't sell very well on the 3DS. It only hit a million. Um, I'm checking how Bravely Second did, because I'm not actually sure. And I wonder why that was the case, because Bravely Default was yet, I mean, it was yet another, you know, definitely one of those games that I remember, I mean, a lot of reviewers were singing its praises, but it just sort of bleh. Well, Animal well, Crossing came out, like, the month after. Ah, that might have done um, it. <laughs> you had Paper Mario Sticker Star also come out the month after. I mean, Bravely, I'll say Bravely Default only did a million, but it was still enough for them to consider it a success. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But just, you know, in terms of, like, the sales on the console, like, it didn't do as well. You know, as popular as the game seems to be from a media standpoint, you would expect the sales to be, you know, much higher. You know, it's only 53rd for the system in totality, which, you know, you would expect a game that gets that much press to be higher up on that list, you know, than it is. I think yeah. it's because it's it's pretty beloved to the RPG gamer niche, but it it didn't really resonate outside of it. Uh, two all toss out um, for other games because you mentioned we're like appealing to the RPG crowd. The uh, Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm games, which I never played. I oh, I believe it's pronounced Theat Rhythm. 
I don't know. I've never I, played it. <laughs> like, I saw it's, the game, and I'm like, is this Final Fantasy DDR? Uh, uh, more more like Final Fantasy uh, Elite Beat Agents, but yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is It is 100%. It is, it is a rhythm game with Final Fantasy stuff. But it's also, like, immersing yourself in that... Um, the music of Final Fantasy, which is one of those things that franchise is known for. Yep. Like, you have, like, little battles as you, like, you're, did the music and stuff like that and watch along the screen. And it was, like, I'm not going to say it was the most revolutionary thing ever, but if you're a big fan of Final Fantasy music, there you go. Um, the prob- the, other the one- problem for me is I'm, I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy music and I'm a big fan of the Final Fantasy series. On the other hand, I am absolutely miserable at rhythm games, and I don't really enjoy them even when I am okay at them. So that was a skip for me. Uh, I guess I'll I'll be the outlier then. The other one that that I just remember, I had a lot of fun, and it's just one of those, it's another entry into the franchise, but it's a solid entry. Uh, Kirby Planet Robobo. (laughs) That game was so, I had so much fun with that. And that's yeah. not just because I'm a fan of giant robot stuff, as Brian will attest. <laughs> uh, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Never if you're a fan of giant robots, let me introduce you to Lost Sphere. Yeah, but it was it was it was just another really well done one, and I think it's another one of those ones where the 3D like the 3D mechanic just made the game look a little richer. You you didn't need it, but it did. Like there were a couple times where the world just looked more vibrant, and I think the first party Nintendo games were always some of the best for that. I mean, for for me, there's two things I specifically think of that hasn't been brought up yet. Um, 3DS is where uh, Yokai Watch got its start from, and I really enjoy that series. It's basically Pokemon, but with more plot. Yep. Uh, and, uh, hmm, yep. Uh, well, was Pokemon always had kind of the it had the inspiration of all the Japanese yokai and stuff like that for a lot of these things, and it drew from other mythology. Yokai Watch just said, "You know what? We're gonna take that and just explode the yokai angle and yeah. go dive dive in with both feet." And I think it, it benefits from that. I was I was a hundred percent on board with Yokai Watch. And I enjoyed the heck out of the first game. I The second game, I did enjoy. I didn't like it as much as the first. I kind of stalled out in the middle of it and had to come back to it. Um, but overall, I, I enjoy the series. And I'm, I'm glad to see that it still exists, even if it didn't quite reach the heights that Nintendo wanted for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other game I wanted to bring up was uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon. Ooh. Yeah. Which was just such a joy to play. Um, I can't really say how it compares to the first one because I never played the original Luigi's Mansion despite the fact that I've owned it since it came out on GameCube. With my GameCube, I never played it. Well done. I will be playing it eventually. Uh, I actually think it's on my list for next year. Well, if there's, but, one, uh, if there's one thing COVID's been good for, it's been it's been hacking at my video game backlog. But yes, well, Luigi's Mansion was like we we got a GameCube, but Luigi's Mansion was my brother's game. 
he he bought that. Mm. Uh, and it's not that I couldn't play it, but I had my own stuff that I was playing. So I just never got to it. Uh, I, I actually own the port of it to the 3DS, and that's what I'm going to play it on. Lovely. But yeah, Dark Moon, excellent game. Lovely. Um, I think Spencer mentioned uh, Paper Mario Sticker Star, which I play because I love the Paper Mario series. I'm currently playing uh, Origami King on Switch. And you, mean, you mean not Mario RPG? But not Mario not RPG, Mario yes. RPG. Uh, Man, I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm a sticker star because each Paper Mario game does something uniquely different. And it's like, okay, how is how are we going to adapt Paper Mario for the dual screens? And they, they did it very, very well. And, you know, you have the usual Paper Mario tongue-in-cheek humor. And, you know... We need to stop having shit happening to the Mushroom Kingdom. Someone needs to duct tape it the fuck down. Just, someone needs to just gorilla glue the entire Mushroom Kingdom, specifically Peach's castle, just to the earth. For God's Wait, sake. The Mushroom Kingdom needs to take COVID lockdown more seriously. Yes, yes it does. Just somebody put, like, just wrap it in shrink wrap because it keeps, like, coming out of the earth at, or, you know, keeps being flattened. I mean, we're reaching a level of, like, destruction akin to Tokyo. I mean, <laughs> for the 3DS, they had three of the Mario RPG games, because they had two of the Mario and Luigi games, yep. as well as as well as Paper Mario, correct? I believe you are correct. I, I definitely know that the, the, the Mario and Luigi games were, were handhelds. I think I think both across the DS and the 3DS. Yeah, they had they had uh, Paper Jam, they had Sticker Star, and they had Green uh, Team. Green Team, thank you. Yep. So that was that was a lot of fun. I, I do enjoy Sticker Star quite a bit. The only other games that you guys haven't mentioned to me that like I really like when I think about my time with the 3DS um, would be Fire Emblem and Monster Hunter. Um, both both games like blew up in the like early like quarter of the like lifespan of the 3DS. You know, I remember everybody I knew was playing um, Monster Hunter 3 when it came out and like the the uh, extra what is that peripheral called the Pro Plus circle pad that yeah. you had to get to play it. Oh man, that was that was that was some it's always funny when Nintendo like realizes like after the fact they're like oh wait we probably should have put this on originally oops our bad here have this <laughs> dragon quest I, I absolutely would agree with you on i thought monster hunter didn't really blow up on the 3ds at first i thought that came more after world came out more people going back and playing the older game monster hunter 4 and generations both sold 4 million um monster hunter 4 ultimate also sold 4 million uh and then monster hunter 3 was 2.6 but again that monster hunter 3 came out in 2011 so like the first christmas of the 3ds's life cycle is when that came out and obviously with mario kart coming out literally nine days before it it would it just got you know no, well, well, for, up in it. i was more talking about generations and and for ultimate um 
because I, I remember when people bought, bought World, a bunch of people I know were going out and buying Generations and Ultimate um, at the time. That That's kind of why I assume 3 is so much lower than the others is, like, they, like, I, I would not be surprised if we looked at their sales to see a massive spike in Generation 4 uh, around, like, 2018. Well, we are just about approaching the hour mark here, so I think it'll be a good time to cut to break. But when we come back, we'll be talking about more more games, more memories with the 3DS as we give it a continue to give it a fond farewell. So we'll have some music, and if you haven't played Link Between Worlds, play it. We're just this is a break, so go play it. We'll be back. For you that. got plenty of time. You got plenty of time. So absolutely. So. We're in, we're in COVID. You can take as long as you need to watch to listen to this podcast. Absolutely. We're not going anywhere. So more 3DS love on the other side. You're listening to downloadable content. We'll be back.
Welcome back to our 3DS love fest here on Downloadable Content. Uh, you better, I hope you have all played A Link Between Worlds. We'll, we'll be checking somehow. I'm already there checking. There will be a test at the end. I'm literally the Santa Claus of whether or not you play Link Between Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> but we will uh, get dive back into our, our 3DS love. We still have plenty more games to talk about. Now, I know we, we, we as, as Ronnie mentioned over the break while we, were, while we were all checking to see if you were playing A Link Between Worlds, that uh, there was a lot of Pokemon that came out on the 3DS. Um... <laughs> I know that I, of the group here, I'm I've probably played the least. I only played Pokemon X, uh, Pokemon uh, Pokemon Chromosome. <laughs> but, yeah. Why was Why was one of the first ones I got? But I I know that there were several generations of at least at least two generations. Oh, on, on the, there were four releases on the 3DS, uh, two, generations. two generations. Two generations, okay. You had Pokemon cool. XY, then you had Alpha Sapphire, Omega Ruby, then you had Sun Moon, and then you had Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. Okay. So um, so half of those releases were worth playing. I mean, you. I will let you guys talk about the different Pokemon releases that came out for the 3DS, because I, the only one that I will have any input on is X. So uh, the, one I, the one I will shout out, uh, real quick, um, it was it was one of the anniversaries of Pokemon. They did that one where you could change the uh, plates to have it look like the box art of the original red or blue, um, and that had the like all three of the original Game Boy games already preloaded on there too, which I always thought was a really nice tribute one. I mean, yeah, if you don't already own those games, I mean, geez. Yeah, but but it's I think they I think they eventually add like um the Pokemon uh, Bank compatibility to that. Oh well, yeah, because it, yes. there's no way for you to get original Game Boy game Pokemon like the actual OG ones onto a DS slash 3DS console. So that was their way to circumvent that, so that you had access to. Literally every Pokemon, because at the time, Nintendo was still about catching them all. Not anymore, but they were. Yeah. But I was going to say, wasn't there a way to get them on DS? It was just the biggest pain in the ass, because couldn't you plug uh, one into the advanced slot and one to the DS slot to do trading? No, because you can't get Gen 1, like, red-blue onto Game Boy Advance. Oh, okay. That's there's no, the there's no way to make that transfer. That's the, that's the missing yep. piece. Like everything after that, yes, but not, not like actual OG red, red blue. Yep. I'm my, not my sure about was... yellow. That's the one I'm not sure about. I have no experience trying to transfer from yellow, so my yellow might be okay, but I know for sure red blue are a no go. My, my brain was going with the breakdowns, the Game Boy Advance, the DS. No, you, you're absolutely right. It was the advances where the breakdown was. Yeah. But no, um, I agree that Sun Moon was not very good. Um, you know, like we were saying, alluding to earlier, like easily one of the lesser in the franchise. But I actually, I'm playing Ultra Moon right now in a Nuzlocke challenge, and I'm actually enjoying it much more than I enjoyed Sun Moon up to this point. I mean, it's still early. I've only gotten the second totem Pokemon down, but... I think it, they're doing a better job of 
Making it more fluid, I guess. Because, like, I think one of my biggest yeah. issues with Sun Moon was, like, it was so choppy, and it felt like there was just, like, these, like... Ugh. Like, I kept hitting these roadblocks in the gameplay, and I just wanted to keep going, and I couldn't. It was just very frustrating. I, I would... I, I definitely agree with that, and I'm glad uh, I have something to look forward to, because I will be getting... I have not played Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon yet. I will be getting to them. Uh, I am currently playing all the Pokemon games in reverse order, so I did... Shield, I did the Let's Go games, I did Sun and Moon, and I'm going to be continuing on that starting probably January. I'm going to be starting the next one. Yeah, like was it fun. was like, like the thing I remember about like Sun Moon is how long it took you to get your starter. Like, that's like it's like at least a half hour in, if I recall correctly. Yep, and that's not the case in Ultra Moon. It's it. You, you, in, in Ultra Moon, the, the opening is like you're moving to Alola, and you don't know anybody, and you meet the, like, island Professor Oak, who's not Professor Oak, and then he, like, tells you to go meet in town, and you meet your, po you get your starters because you run into grass, and, like, you get into an encounter, and that's, like, Maybe ten minutes if you're like really like scrolling through and thoroughly reading every line of text. Yeah. There, I mean, there's there's a couple different complaints right I have about it, but the number one complaint for me is a mechanical complaint. Um, I hate the SOS mechanic. I hate it so much. I've oh, had wow. it chain eight or nine Pokemon at a time while I'm trying to capture a single Pokemon, and that's infuriating. And if you and you can only like try and catch it when it's one on the screen, right? Yes. Catch if there's two on the screen. It won't even so give you, you kill... the option to throw the ball. Yeah. So you kill one, and then they summon another one before you get another turn. And I did that for eight or nine turns in a row, multiple times. Pokemon Moon started becoming fun for me when I stopped trying to catch Pokemon. I had my team. I stopped trying to catch them. And I started enjoying the game because they were able to make catching Pokemon a not fun activity in a Pokemon game. That seems like a flaw. Sorry, you can tell this is something I am passionate about. No, I, I a, a drop. I, 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 I had looking down where the game hurt you. I had <laughs> I had forgotten about that mechanic. It made me so angry. Yeah, no, I mean, like, and it it, it exemplifies it even more because. The totem Pokemon battles, which like kind of take the place from of gym battles in this gen, that's the mechanic in those as well. Although, granted, you're not trying to catch a, catch them in that time, but you still have that same like you've got this overpowered boss Pokemon that gets to call an unlimited number of sidekicks. Basically, so if you take one out, it's gonna call another one. It's not like it's a certain number. Like, oh, it only gets three sidekicks. Like, no, if you focus only on the sidekick and the totem pokemon continues to like do its own thing like it's never going to stop so you have to like basically fight a two-on-one fight which never happens in pokemon unless you're like fighting team rocket and they suck so bad that it's irrelevant i will say if they took the sos mechanic from the rest of the game and just had it as a unique mechanic for the totem pokemon i'd like yes that the, the those battles were hard but that would have made them feel special, and I don't think I would have had a complaint with the mechanic. Since you don't, since you're not trying to catch the 
the totem Pokemon, because it's mainly the the being unable to catch the Pokemon because it keeps happening. That's the pain. If anything, have it be like how they have Sword Shield with the wild area. Have like certain areas of the game where they only do the SOS mechanics, so that you know, like, okay, if I'm gonna be catching Pokemon here, I have to deal with this. But like, if if I'm on route two, that's not gonna happen. So I can just catch with impunity. Absolutely. I could see that happening. Or, like maybe making it like early games, so that like you said, you can fill out a team quickly, and then they start introducing the SOS mechanic. But to have it be like literally the first encounter you can have it, like be a thing basically, is like I, absolutely. It's uh, not. I it's no bueno for sure. I think Sword and Shield took a lot of the ideas that were interesting in in Sun and Moon, but weren't done well, and made them work. Like the, like, the gym challenges feel a lot like the island challenges, except actually executed well, because half the island challenges were just pointless and useless and boring. But there were some were that sure. were good. And, like, what, yeah. what frustrated me, too, was, like, you would do these totem island challenges and you can't catch the Pokemon in these challenges. You have to, like, complete the entire totem task, and then you can come back later and catch them, and it's like, I don't want to backtrack. Like, if I've done this task, I don't want to come back to this place to catch these Pokemon. I want to keep going in the game and, like, go to the next one and do the next yeah, thing, because yeah, it's, like... It's, it, it's, 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 like, a huge misstep on their it turned, it turned core things into chores. Yep. On the other um, hand, I will say one excellent thing that this game did, the best idea that came out of it, regional Pokemon was a great idea. Agreed. There and there were a couple other things like narratively. I will say like one of my favorite parts is like Team Skull. Like in every other game, it's been like, oh, it's the it's Team Rocket, it's Team Plasma. Everyone's kind of afraid of. Team Skull shows up, nobody takes them seriously. That that I love. Like everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's these jerks again. Like they're like, just like complete losers, and they're and they're not lovable losers either. They're just losers. Yep. Um, also, it, it gave us the the gem of the get in the bag nebby. Yes. Well, uh, I, I will bring up Lily specifically in that. Uh, most of the, I feel like most of the characters in this game were forgettable, except for Lily. In the story, this is as much her story as it is yours, and a big part of the game is her growth over it. Yeah. And that was an that was a good thing that they did. And I'm it reminds me a lot of N, but instead of having N with his, like, aggressive take on how to solve the problem, Lily's, like, the exact opposite, where she's, like, you know, a pacifist. She doesn't even want to be a trainer, so she needs you to help her achieve the goals that she has set for her. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with and I, N, I've heard opposite, we get more... he's basically, you know, using, what is it? It's not plasma. Whatever team he's a part of in that Gen, Gen 5. Like, he's basically using them the entire time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've heard that Lily gets more uh, more plot in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, she's like... She gets more time than your rival does. So far. Good, because she's more interesting. I haven't finished the game or anything yet. Like, I'm only about a quarter of the way through at this point, but... She's in more screen time than than how first. How for is sure. literally just. I I know he was first. I know he was first, but how is just Hop with less personality? 
I mean, that's saying a lot because I don't think Hop really has any personality either. So <laughs> I don't think Hop has a lot of per has a lot of personality either. But he has um, more than how to. I I feel like if you could say anything about the more recent Pokemon games, it's that like your rival has been completely forgettable and might as well not even exist because it's like they there's no challenge in any of the fights. The character themselves are never interesting or have any real importance in the plot. They're always like. Like, dude, like, your rival's getting beat by everybody all the time, constantly. And I it's like... like a, it's like, how is this guy my rival? He's not even good enough to even compete with the dudes that I'm smoking. I, like, I, I like that in, in... Notice this is not 3DS. I like that in Sword and Shield, you had more than one rival. You had you had Hop, uh, you had Marnie, and you had uh, Beatty. And they all kind of represented different kind of of rivalry you would see in earlier game rivals. I, I I think that was pretty well done. Even though Hop was still the least interesting. Yeah, I think it's just they've they've done what they can do with one rival without like with with the rival always being a good guy and being your friend and your buddy and you're always like BFFs rolling all the way through the challenge together. Like, there's not really anything narratively that they can do differently with that. So if they don't want to have an evil rival that, like, you're either, like, competing against because you, you know, don't like each other or, like, they're doing something nefarious that you're trying to stop, like, you have to have more than one rival. Yeah. So. And, I, and I'd like to see them keep doing that because I think even if you are making them all interesting, even if you are trying to do something else, I think the game benefits from having more than one recurring character. Mm -hmm. Apparently I killed all conversation. <laughs> this is just basically like, like, like this is just basically been been the all Pokemon chat for the first fifteen minutes of this second half. Just, You're welcome. Which is which it's is a fine. very it's I mean look at the look at the sales. P Pokemon Two, three, and four on the all-time sales list. The only game selling more is Mario Kart, and you've got Ultra Sun on Ultra Sun and Moon sitting at ninth. So, like, if you count them all up together, they're pushing like sixty million copies sold on the console. So, like, you know, it's it's, it, it, it's not just about Pokemon, but like, you know, you can't talk about the 3DS without talking a, a significant chunk about Pokemon. I, abs absolutely, I, I fully agree. I, I, I will give one last shout out for uh, I think it was Sun, and, yeah, Sun and Moon, where they had there was the 20th anniversary commercial, where it's you know everybody's playing this game. It's you know, or you know, it's people playing throughout the generations. It's like young old black white male female it's everybody is playing it and it's like it showed like that like people excited or like doing like the fist you know pulling down their fist in victory when they catch an important pokemon it's like oh i have done that so many times and i love that ad because that is such a this is for everybody we want everyone to have a good time with this and it it, it was so inclusive and so just brilliantly stated i loved that ad and it's it's one of those ones when I'm, you know, having a rough day, I pull up, and it just makes me feel so much better. One one series, and I'm hoping you guys have experience to talk about this, because I don't, but I really feel like we have to talk about it, is uh, Fire Emblem with Awakening and the Fates games, because 
Awakening is earlier. really Awakening is really what made Fire Emblem a thing in the West. Okay, yeah. but before I'm I'm good to move on, but before we do, I just want to talk about one last thing Pokemon wise. XY was the first Pokemon game that had 3D models for the Pokemon themselves. This was oh, extremely is... important in the franchise because one of the biggest complaints about the franchise up until that point was how the models themselves of the Pokemon hadn't really gotten the kind of evolution that you would have expected considering how much the rest of the game had evolved over the generations. And some of those uh, initial designs from X and Y have been used all the way from X and Y to the switch to sword and shield just slightly cleaned up yeah exactly. they did not like, remodel these, these are like the framework for the 3d models that nintendo has used you know like you said since 2013 so like the the game itself might not hit a lot of people's radars as hard because of omega ruby and alpha sapphire and then you know sun and moon are like more talkative games because of how negative they get press-wise so like you know people don't really people I mean, you're, you're the, about xy that much so yeah yeah i was gonna say you're you're the big pokemon guy so like i will succeed you on this but i always thought x and y were two of the more popular ones in the series i mean it, it's the highest selling for the 3ds for sure it just snuck by sun and moon like they're both x and y and sun and moon both sold 16 million uh x and y was like 16 and a half and sun and moon was like 16 and a quarter when i hear people oh. talking about well i didn't just mean sales i just mean like when i hear people talking about their favorite pokemon games x and y are almost always in the discussion really because yeah. uh, as someone who you know like lives in the scene like from from most people it's like gen 1 gen 3 and then um gen 5 so like black and white uh mm. uh ruby and sapphire and then you know, red and blue. Yeah, um, I, I hear I hear a lot of Ruby and Sapphire. I hear a lot of X and Y. Those are the in 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 from from looking from the outside from people I know and stuff. Those are the two that I hear brought up the most is X and Y and Ruby and Sapphire. Um, I always felt like I was kind of the outlier in that black and white was my favorite. No, a lot of people consider black and white too the best game period in the franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you get to that, look forward to that. Because if you yeah. like Black White, you're 100% going to love Black White too. Absolutely, it's probably and the then, best sequel I've played besides Link Between Worlds. Like just period. And then of course I knew that a bunch of people are going to say Gen One because for a lot of people that's all they played a Pokemon, or that was the the first one they played. Obviously, so they, it has that nostalgia. And how to distinguish nostalgia from reality? You know what? <laughs> I feel some saltiness. Uh, shall we move on to fire? I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll make this quick. There is no reason why Gen 1 should have four separate releases over the lifespan of Pokemon, and we are still waiting for Gen 4 and Gen 5 to be re-released on anything. That's all I gotta say about that. I... I'm sorry, Let, I'm glad that they did, because Let's Go is my favorite of the series, so, at, at this point. Um, I, I'm so. glad to see Fire Emblem uh, start, you know, with the 3DS really gaining in prominence, because until 
The, oh, the only, my only real experience with Fire Emblem was, and I'm sure this was the case for a lot of us, was in the form of Smash Brothers. Yeah. Do you mean all of those characters with swords? Yes. There's so many Cur current uh, current Smash uh, not included. I feel like I feel like I'm playing Utna. Everyone has swords. <laughs> but yes, with with Fire Emblem coming to prominence, those are games that I still haven't played. I know they are, you know, they're they're re required playing at this point, but it's just I haven't gotten to them. I mean, Awakening didn't sell as well as Fates did, but Awakening needs the credit. Because Awakening is what brought Fire Emblem to the mainstream, what brought it to the gaming audience, and made a lot of people aware of it as a game and not just a character in Smash Brothers. Paraphrase a great movie. Awakening was the, the spark that lit the fire of the franchise's popularity outside of Smash. Yep. Yeah. Also, Fates had two, two separate games, and I guarantee some people bought both. So that's going to affect that three million sales as well. Yeah, as I mean, yeah, because like you said, it's like it's not even an entire million more that it sold. So, and with the extra game, that had to have accounted for something of the extra sales. But you know, again, they, it was definitely more popular for sure. Yeah, oh, fate, fate's definitely, fate definitely deserves a lot of credit as well. Just like I, I feel like because Awakening made sold less than Fates. It's easy to undersell its importance, but like we would not have Fire Emblem. We would not have Fire Emblem Three Houses over here if Fates had bombed. We like that was their that was their big and last chance to make Fire Emblem a thing over here. Like they, Nintendo has had people at Nintendo have had interviews basically going if if awakening failed they were just going to abandon fire emblem in the western market well it's it was so perfect though it was such a good time for it because not only was the 3ds starving for like quality rpgs that weren't jrpgs it was also like again this you guys won't really be able to attest to this but like i thought that the 3d added to awakenings quality because of the fact that it's like you know basically a chessboard so you get that like extra like isometric kind of angling that you get from the 3D depth. So, you know, again, it doesn't make anything necessary, but it adds a level of visual quality that I believe adds to the game. How did Fire How did Fire How did Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer get in at number 21? Because Animal Crossing is life. I'm not making fun of Animal Crossing. I love Animal Crossing. I'm just, I'm amazed that the spinoff title that I never, that I rarely hear people talk about was still the 21st best-selling game on the system. It's the thing, because the, the people that play Animal Crossing don't talk about video games. They just play Animal Crossing and then they go back to being normal people. <laughs> Shots. Fired, I guess? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It, but it's, again, it's that, that Nintendo thing of that, you have that loyalty. Like, like I heard people talking about New Leaf. Um, but, yeah. So, excellent, excellent. W wonderful. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, you know, I, I just mentioned Smash. 
Uh, Smash for the 3DS, which came out, you know, that was sort of a companion game to, uh, well, I can't really call it a companion game, it was its own game, um, with Smash for the Wii U. So, uh, the first and and only Smash that was on a dedicated handheld, excluding the Switch, because the Switch is, the Switch is its whole other category. Switch, I'm Switch. I will. I am so. I, I'm sorry. I know how how good it is. I am so salty at the at Smash Four uh, for having no story mode. I it ruined the game for me. It's why Smash. It's why Smash for the. It's why Smash Ultimate is my favorite Smash game because it has the largest single player campaign of all of the systems. And that's just been a thing that Smash has been including with, like, most of its installments, but no. They yeah. did in every installment but that one. That's why I'm salty about it. It it, ru- it removed the single thing that kept me playing Smash. And, and, and admittedly, it, that was, even though I, I own Smash for the 3DS, that was the Smash game that I played the least. Mm-hmm. I buy I buy Smash because I will have friends that are like, oh, we should play Smash, and I have to play with them, and I enjoy myself. I, I I'm not denying that, but it only happens a, like I can count the number of times that happens on my hands over the course of the lifespan of a Smash game. So for me to get actual playtime out of it, that's what the single player is. That's how I get my money's worth out of the game. And with them removing that, I maybe played Smash for the 3DS four hours, maybe, total. I mean, also, not to mention the fact that uh, something else that we have mentioned is that the 3DS um, also could function as an additional controller for the Wii U. And that was a really, really cool addition. That was an excellent, excellent addition. And what ultimately i what ultimately happened for me was i owned smash for the 3ds but i wound up using it as an extra controller at friends houses for smash on the wii u like i used my 3ds for that game more to play on friends wii u's than i did playing the standalone smash title on the 3DS. Which just I just thought was a, just an interesting aside. And, I mean, also for, for me personally, being that this was the first Smash game on a handheld, it did not feel right. It's like, how could you condense all of that? I'm so used to seeing all of that action and insanity and hilarity on a regular television screen to condense all of that into this tiny screen. And it, it felt wrong. It felt weird and off-putting somehow. It's wrong. It was... It was fine for me, and I and when I did the Smash Ultimate on the Switch, I played the entire thing undocked. So for me, all of that was just an extension of this. And, and that's fair. That is totally fair. I'm, 
I just as a per- just from a personal experience standpoint, just I was so used to just spending hours and hours and hours of playing Smash Brothers on regular consoles and on large TVs, and then you shrink all that down, and yes, to Spencer's point, you know, old man yelling at Cloud here. Um, <laughs> Just uh, yes, I, I Ron Ron isn't here, so I have to be Cranky Kong for him. So it's just like this is weird. This just feels wrong, and so you now good game, solid game, but just weird. <laughs> I mean, one thing we didn't, we haven't really mentioned is: do we think that? Do we think part of the such a huge success of the 3DS was partially because it was paired with one of Nintendo's biggest failures. Like if you wanted good, if you wanted Nintendo, you went to the 3DS because you weren't getting a whole lot on the Wii. I don't think so. The Wii, I mean, the, Wii, the, Wii the, Wii the, D, the DS, the DS still sold amazingly well in conjunction with the Wii selling as amazingly well as it did. So I. I don't really think that the 3DS really got that much of a boost because I mean they're not necessarily the same market either. You know, like yeah. people that are I buying that. consoles aren't necessarily getting handhelds and vice versa. Because you know, there's not you know you're looking at 3DS titles. There's not a lot of you know crossover between the you know the titles that came out on the Wii U um, and the yeah. you know the Wii at the time no, in terms you're, of like you're right. you know, there's not like Metroid titles and you know like the you I know, think the I might have. So. Sorry, I think I might have been coming at it from the wrong direction. I guess more what I meant, um, and I was going wrong, is do you think that the 3DS got more development resources because Nintendo wasn't throwing as much at the Wii U as time was going on? Because I feel like... Okay, because I'm like, I feel like there's a greater amount of major first-party titles on the 3DS over the same period of time as opposed to the DS. I personally think Nintendo always saw the Wii U as, like, a stopgap to get them to the Switch. Like, I always feel like they knew that they couldn't do what they wanted to do. Like, I think their goal was the Switch, but I think that in the early 20-teens, they couldn't technologically get there. So they were like, okay, we can't keep riding the Wii. It's too outdated, but we need to do something to get us to where we need to be so that we can get the Switch out. And that's what the Wii U was. Like, honestly, if it wasn't for Mario Maker, like, no one would even talk about the Wii U. And I think that was mostly Nintendo's fault. Um, yeah, I I agree with that. Um, I had two games I want to bring up that uh, are a little different than we have, because I have two games that are not exclusives for the game for this system but i want to talk about because i feel like this was the system to play them on at the time and that would be shovel knight and ultimate nes remix Mm. shovel knight was out on every goddamn system imaginable but i feel like shovel knight excels the best as a handheld game and the 3DS was the handheld system to play it on. And then Ultimate NES Remix, which the games originally came out on the Wii U, but was ported to this. I don't even know why they thought they should have brought those out on the Wii U. Because the great game is great, but the gameplay takes between 
15 and thir 15 and 60 seconds to play, it is the perfect game to be playing when you're on a commute or you have a couple minutes you need to sit down. Like, it's designed for mobile. So those two games, to me, like, they were on multiple systems, but the 3DS was the system for them up until the Switch came out and Shovel Knight got on that, but that was much later. I, I can see that. I mean, I've only played Shovel Knight on PC and the Switch as well, but I can certainly see Shovel Knight lending itself very well to the 3DS. Yeah, I, I kickstarted it, and I, my the, the system I chose for it was the 3DS, and I do not regret that even a little bit. Fair. It's funny you mentioned this, because the only experience I have with Shovel Knight is on the 3DS. And I would agree in totality with that statement, because I felt like this was perfect on the 3DS to play. I had a really good time playing it. I only, I've only i only played the actual original Shovel Knight content. I still have the other DLC releases, or whatever you want to call them, the other knights, so to speak. Um, so I don't have the full breadth of experience with it, but like from what I played, like I thought it was perfect on the 3ds i i've done the main game and i've done uh plague night but i haven't done any of the other ones so i i've got to go back to that game myself and, and experience the rest of the dlc so such a good game though and once again such a good system to to experience it on uh did anybody else here play any of the nes remix games or is that just me I had a handful of them. Like they were all like just really solid, though. Like it's revisiting that that, that classic stuff, and it's yeah. again it's opening the door to people that may have never had access to it before, which is what it should be. Yeah, I, I wish like I I, I liked I, it best when they did more of the actual remix stuff as opposed yeah. to the challenges. But like when you when it's you're playing as Link, but you're in the Mario game, or you're playing, like, when they, like, switching stuff around, or giving you different weapons that you wouldn't normally have, or, like, that was really where it shines. And I feel like that, would that like, led, opened the door to a lot of, like, fan-made, like, mashup videos and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, and while they're very, very, very different games, I feel like the NES Remix games kind of went away. Because of the Mario Maker series, I feel like the develop like that that was kind of where they wanted the the more creative ideas to go. Yeah, but it but it I think it's an important stepping stone to those. Yeah, and I would love seeing NES Remix come back at some point, or, well, or Nintendo Remix of any kind. Well, it kind of has with Super Mario Brothers thirty five. I think that's kind of yeah. one of the first stepping stones in terms of that kind of evolution of that nes release on the wii u and into what they want to be doing because it makes more sense for them to do these like limited timed releases that you can just get for free as being part of their online club or whatever they call it i forget but like you know having access to this and then okay we can pull this back tweak it work on it and drop like lost levels or i've got mixed smb3 or whatever you know what i mean yeah. like you know that i've got mixed personal feelings on them being limited time releases as opposed to allowing them to continue to exist but i cannot argue with the success like yeah. there's no argument about how big of a success and how good of an idea that was 
and I mean, speaking of Mario, that's really the only games on the 3DS we haven't talked about yet that were like <laughs> big time. I, I, I find it hilarious that we we avoided largely like the the actual like Mario game, aside from like Paper Mario and things like that. Hey, I brought up Luigi. He's in <laughs> Mario. <laughs> But yeah, between Super Mario Brothers 2 and Super Mario 3D Land, those were two monster heavy hitter titles that like really started getting the ball rolling on the sales of the system, you know, yeah. in conjunction with Mario Kart. Well, and the fact that like they incurred like there was it was the Super Mario World model, but they would do stuff of like get like an insane amount of coins to do stuff so to encourage you to replay levels and stuff like that and you got so much value out of those games like that was just so much fun with that i say super mario 3d land was just a really really excellent excellent damn title like yeah i I enjoyed the 3d on that game um i thought it was really cool i really enjoyed it it looked nice it didn't take away from anything I know I'm sounding like a broken record on this, but I feel like as the only person who actually enjoyed it and experienced most of these games with it, like this is definitely one of those ones where it was really nice. I'm I'm glad. Like I said, I, I have nothing against the 3D. I just I can't. Oh yeah, see no, no, no. Yeah, I, I, I mean I get it. I understand. Like there is, you know, if you can't see it, that's one thing. Or like if it gives you a headache, obviously you're not going to continue to use it if it's giving you. But I feel like there are a lot of people who don't use it just because they you know, think that it's a meme or whatever, and they're just like, I don't need it. It's pointless. And it's like, it's not pointless. Actually, if you can, if you can experience it, you should. That's basically how I want to put it. Okay. But yeah, no, I mean, that I would put Super Mario 3D Land up there as one of the best of the, the not, not main 3D Mario titles. Like, I, I like to call these the repackaged Mario titles, because they're like, they're not sequels, and they're not their own entities because they're taking so much from previous titles. So they're like, just kind of like, let's take some Mario ideas, blend them together, throw them on a title, and there you go. Doug said it best. It, it, it was he, he called it the Super Mario World model, which is fine by me. Super Mario World is my favorite of the of the like the classic Mario games. So I had no problem with that. At I, all. It's yeah, it's I, it's using the formula that works. Like that's the thing. Yeah, I remember Miyamoto. Uh, had a had a quote where he said that uh, that game was three. It was three D Mario in a two D Mario game. That's what they. That's what they were going for. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that encapsulates what it is pretty pretty well. And I feel like they kind of hit that perfectly. And I had totally forgotten, you know, it's been so long since I've played it, the, 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 the encouraging, encouraging replay value by, you know, saying, you know, you need to play or you need to get X number of coins to unlock this thing or, or that thing. So yes, that was, that was definitely a thing. Yeah, I think that's been one of their most interesting and intelligent developments in the Mario franchise's evolution is like... Going from the, like, Mario 64 days where you're, like, collecting all these coins but not really doing anything with them once you collect them to, like, being able to do something with these coins that you're just amassing over, you know, like, 
every level you get a hundred coins to get a star, but then like the coins just go into the ether after you're done. And it's like it's cool that they acknowledge like, hey, we can add more gameplay with these coins without having to make them. You know, it gives them more value. Is that the one where the? I'm just trying to remember though. Is that also the one where they introduce the giant mushroom mechanic? Where you just like go through and mow everything down? That's I a good that question. Was, the, was it? I believe that was the Wii U uh, oh, okay. sequel, but I can't remember. But yeah, the two of those definitely... kind of blend together a little bit. Yeah, that's why I was trying to. But then, so again, like they had like they would do that model. Like there were items that would like like more than like the P block of just like turn everything is coins. It made its first <laughs> appearance in the first new Super Mario Brothers game on the DS. The Mega Mushroom. Okay. Yeah. Yep. 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 But yeah, they just so rewarding. It's so much fun. It, it absolutely is. That's like uh, also returning the Tanuki suit. Mm, I'm very happy to see that. See that. Yes. I, I I can't believe I forgot to bring that up. Yes, that was <laughs> yes one indeed. of my favorites. I was gonna say you got yeah the Tanuki the two I the two I really remember from that were the Tanuki suit and they brought back the boomerang the boomerang flower. I mm-hmm. still have a, the promotional keychain of the Tanuki that they released when you pre-ordered the 3D Mario uh, 3DS system. Nice. <laughs> it, was like, it was like the Mario Red, uh, the system itself, 3DS. They, they did so many good versions. Like I, I think that's one point we can bring up is all the different versions of the system that you could get. Like I mentioned the Pokemon version, you mentioned the Mario one. There's that really nice um, Samus one for um, the re-updated version of uh, Metroid 2. Almost Arena like of Time 3D one was gorgeous, even though I didn't yeah. want to get it. I was like, man, I wish I could get this without having to buy the game. <laughs> can, I, can I just get the system? I, I intentionally avoided that because I knew so many of my friends that were getting it. Like, I don't want to get my console mixed up with someone else's. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But, I, for, um, I forgot about that. I forgot that we had uh, Metroid Samus Returns re, uh, released mm-hmm. on, the, th- on yep. the 3DS. Because yes, we did. I remember somebody made a fan remake of it, and uh, you know the, the no-fun police of Nintendo went, nope, nope, cease and desist, because Nintendo was working on this. So... <laughs> Nintendo at, least, at least this time it made sense. Like, yes, okay, at least you're doing yeah, the one time it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, they. I mean, here's the thing: they do pull a lot of stuff down that they shouldn't. I'm very salty about the way that Nintendo acts a lot of the time. But usually, when it's something that big, there's a reason between that and Pokemon Uranium when they pull them down. Yeah. I mean, they're never going to let anybody re- replicate Pokemon. That's that's a no-no. That's a big but no-no. But there's dozens of them that are that are done at this point. Like Pokemon Uranium. Like I, I that's the one where I go. I want to know what got that one specifically called out. Was it just that it hit the mainstream bigger than the other ones? Because like I can pull up dozens of Pokemon of standalone Pokemon titles made by fans oh yeah it's uh it's, it's one of those it's like anytime i see kotaku or polygon uh mention 
you know, they write an article about this particular fan work that someone's made, and then all of the comments are just like, "Shut up! <laughs> Delete <laughs> your posts now! Like, shut right? up! Like, why don't you just call Nintendo and let them know? Like, like, like hey guys, VT Dubs. Like all of the comments that are just like, and it, it's hilarious. It's like, will, it's... Will, will you shut up? This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> That's like uh, there's not too far from our house. It's like there's a, a place that they, they say they're a speakeasy, yet you have to get reservations on open cable. <laughs> <laughs> it's that mentality of like, yeah. uh, guys, guys. <laughs> um, one other game that I, I had to mention because I did own it and, and played a little bit of it. I never finished it because it, it just, I lost interest in it. It was. Uh, it's one of the Kingdom Hearts games. It's Dream Drop Distance. Yep. Yep. That did come out on this. I was going to say, it, it, it did come out. And, and by this point, my knowledge of the Kingdom Hearts canon is so, so convoluted and missing because Kingdom Hearts is basically a D&D campaign that went so far off the rails. It's wonderful. Yeah. I, I, okay, I, I, I'm just gonna sit this out because I played Kingdom Hearts 1 and was like, this is the worst thing I've ever played, and then that's, that's all I've done, so. Uh, fair, you guys fair. That's fun. I have no, like, like, when people talk about the Kingdom Hearts franchise's story, it's like that meme of the chick where the, like, math symbols are flying around her head, like, that's just me with Kingdom Hearts. I, just like, I will say, I, I will say to go along with, with that, um, I, I, we, me and my wife rage quit the first Kingdom Hearts game because of frustrations with the controls. But a friend of ours had us play the second game, and it was so much better that it made us go back to the first game and just power through it to see the later stuff. Because they, yeah, the first game is very flawed, especially mechanically. That's enabling, they, and I won't be a part of it. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> But there's there's a reason. It's all I'm saying is the all of the games aren't the same as the first game. They do fix that. They don't fix the story though. But that's okay. You either love it for being something so ridiculous you expect it came out of the eighties. Uh, you either I have love a personal that vendetta or... with Kingdom Hearts just because Chrono series gets zero attention and Kingdom Hearts constantly gets releases when there's no reason why there should be any more releases in that franchise. <laughs> Chrono Trigger is one is my favorite game of all time. I love Chrono Cross. I've been waiting for a game. I was on forums for Chrono Trigger. Trust me, I'm on board with you, but I don't hold that against other Square franchises. Because Square has the resources to do a Chrono Trigger in addition to all the rest of them. They just choose not to. Um, but yes, so... <laughs> But yes, I, have one, I, 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 have, I have one last one last game that I want to bring up. Sure, as I we start winding down here. Um, just because I, I, I think it's a point to bring up is Star Fox 64 3D because I loved one of the things they did in the model of it. You could play the new kind of updated version of it with like some different mechanics and roots and stuff like that. Or you could switch like you, you had to beat that through once. And then you could unlock Star Fo you know, the mode that was Star Fox 64 as you knew it. So if you love the original, which that's another one of those 
I just want to have fun for an hour and revisit an old friend. That's one of my games to do that for. And I love that it was like either or because I feel like some of these times they make like a re re-updated or that kind of 1.5 edition. And it's nice, but I miss the original. Like I always think of one of uh, one game I loved on the PSP was Ma- Mega Man Maverick Hunter X because I love the original Mega Man X. And they changed like the order of some of the capsules that you get in there. So I could not go back and just play my original route. I had to like rethink my whole order. I, I couldn't just play Mega Man X again. So the fact that this Star Fox 64 on 3DS gave me both as an option was fantastic. And I, I think that's something that when companies are looking to make a 1.5 edition, that's the way you do it. So let me ask you, um, I was, when this came out, I was like, eh, and I had already, I basically had put too much money in the system already and was like, all right, I can't just find another purchase right now. Did you enjoy the gyro controls at all, or did you not try them? How, how did those work? Because I was interested in seeing how, because I felt like Star Fox was probably the best chance of that working and not just being completely horrible. And I'm one of those people that fidgets a little too much when I play a game, like... You know, like you you start leaning with the controller because that'll make you turn faster and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how that logic works. Um, but so it was like it was all right, but it it was another one of those. This is a neat idea. I don't need it. But it was like, and again, I I'm not. I may not be the best person to judge. Um, I think I just I fidget a little too much, and that's more. I think. A statement on me than like a detriment to the game but it was it's throwing it's it's something i've always loved about nintendo and I, I say this pretty much every time i'm has been on this podcast nintendo always seems to be throwing new ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks Fair. They, 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 they they have their safe bets but they're also gonna throw a couple new things into the mix when i play shooters i always kind of lean when I'm looking around the corner, as if it's yeah. going to make me lean further around the corner. So yeah, <laughs> we're we're living the same life. I was going to say that that kind of thing is why I love Splatoon on the Switch mm-hmm. for the gyroscopic. It's it's so good. Coming from somebody who doesn't play shooters, it's so good for me. Mm-hmm. The only uh, other the only other game I would want to mention. Um, is the game that got me to buy the 3DS, which is Pilot Wings Resort. Um, that was the game that they were promoing. Um, and yeah, you mentioned that earlier. I I, fe- I fell in love with it, and like it, honestly, like if you guys, I don't know if you guys ever played like the SNES Pilot Wings. Yep, absolutely. Um, it it's it's very much a true sequel to that that game. A lot of the same kind of uh, missions in terms of how the island's structured and like the way that you fly. And then, you know, obviously the 3D adds a whole extra layer of, like, depth in terms of understanding where you are in the space. But, you know, if you're not using it, you're not using it. But it's, you know, it it looks great. And, you know, if you like that kind of just chill, flying around kind of gameplay, like, it's it's a really good title. And it's probably pretty cheap considering it didn't sell very well. So if you're looking to find it, it shouldn't be too much. That's something I give a chance to. I, I did not play it on the 3DS, but yes... 
I did I did own and play it on the Super Nintendo, and I loved it. So, yeah, if you love the SNES Pilot Wings, definitely give it a check out. I I definitely will. Uh, I have one game that uh, I did not play, but I also feel like we we should bring up um, because it was bringing back an iconic franchise, uh, Kid Icarus Uprising. Which from what I've been, which from what I've been told from every single person that I know that played it, it is one of the, it is a great game, one of the best on the system that has the worst control scheme of all time. <laughs> Any of you play it? Any of you want to uh, give your opinion on that? I didn't play it. Yeah, I. But I, I, I just remember the hype about on it because it was like the first new Kid Icarus game. Yeah, and I mean, it, it reviewed amazingly. Famitsu gave it a freaking perfect score. They never give perfect scores. Like it, it was like I, I have friends who played it, and it's part of why I wanted to bring it up because. I know they're gonna, if they hear this podcast, they're gonna be like, why didn't you mention Uprising? Because I never played it, but it's like, it's an amazing game, it looks great, we we got the 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 versions of of Pit and Palutena that we see in Smash all came from this game, not the earlier ones. Like, this this was really bringing him, bringing him back in, in the version that we saw in Smash. And, uh, yeah, then the, then the company that made it for Nintendo uh, went out of business four months later, and we're never going to see a sequel to it. Or probably a port of it or anything else. Mm. It's uh, kind of a bummer. Ah, well. <laughs> and with that... <laughs> and then we're speaking of killing things. All right. <laughs> so if any of you have any last words on the 3DS, uh, say it now or, or forever hold your peace. Go play Link Between <laughs> Worlds right now. <laughs> Spencer uh, will be checking. He will be checking. He knows where all of you uh, the, live. Oh, 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 oh. I, I, I think I, I, w- I would just like to add that this is not... We, we, we have, we're now taking out the precur- the precursor of if you've never played it go play it just, no just go play it like anybody if you if you played it you know how good it is even just if play it again. It right now go play it um yeah if you're not playing it right now uh, i i do have one thing i want to bring up just because we mentioned it earlier and i never really got into it um i wanted to call out one or two of the ambassador title games that were really like the fact they gave you metroid fusion fuck freaking minish cap uh, Fire Emblem Sacred Stones. They gave you Mario Kart. Like, they gave a lot of, like, when they did the Ambassador stuff, they gave away a lot of really high-quality titles um, to, to the people that they never put up afterwards. That that says a lot, and that was excellent, because I played all of the Ambassador titles because of that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, if you benefited from the Nintendo Apology Tour, I mean, great. That's how I played Minish Cap. I never played it before. I played it because of this. I had I had bought a, I had purchased my 3DS well after that, so, uh... Ah, well. All right. Well, you saved money, but you lost games. Yeah, well, you know, I can't play them all. I'm only one, Brian. Well, cloning can deal with that. Well, you know, 
I'll, I'll, I'll set up a GoFundMe. Cloning hive minds, the yes, future of yes, gaming. Exactly. <laughs> one of you can work and one of you can game. It'll be the perfect experience. It would absolutely be the perfect experience. But yes, yeah, so the Nintendo 3DS lasted a little over nine and a half years before Nintendo finally pulled the plug on the 3DS and the 3DS XL and the 2DS and... And the, the new Nintendo 3DS. Oh, God, that was just weird. Um, so, uh, uh, well done to Nintendo for giving us a, a, a great, another great handheld. So now all we've got to deal with for Nintendo is the Switch. So, you know, and that's still printing money for them. So we'll see how it goes. But thank you very much, Nintendo, for, for an amazing, amazing handheld. So... If you have any questions, comments, thoughts on this episode or any other episode of Downloadable Content, you can get a hold of us on our Facebook and Twitter at Downloadable Content, Twitter uh, at DL Content, or you can click on the feedback button on our website, dlcpodcast.com. Let us know. And as always, every single episode of Downloadable Content can be found on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Play Music and Spotify and the website, of course, dlcpodcast.com. So all the different ways to get downloadable content into your ears. So uh, once again, all it remains for me to do is to thank Ronnie, Doug, and Spencer for being on this episode. Doug, I know you've been on downloadable content for uh, uh, sporadically throughout these last 10 years. So thank you for, for joining me. Uh, what will probably be one last time for you on this episode. So It has always been an honor and a pleasure, man. And thank you for putting up with all my Nintendo rants and everything. So thank you for having this podcast. Thank you for giving me such a wonderful time. It's really meant the world to me. Oh, you are you are very welcome. It's like I call you DLC's Captain N for a reason, so you will forever have that mantle. All right. So but, I'm not saying goodbye yet, because I'm gonna be on later ones. I'm not letting <laughs> I'm not letting go yet. You're not letting go yet, so and 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 so we've we've got two more to go after this. So on that fun note, I'm Brian. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>